Welcome and thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. The podcast is distributed on these platforms every Friday and is included in the NAHU's weekly member-exclusive health policy newsletter, The Washington Update, giving you a head start on your weekly healthcare happy hour. Last week, NAHU spoke with CMS officials from the Division of Surveillance, Compliance, and Marketing about a recently finalized rule from the agency regarding marketing requirements that are set to begin in October. Additionally, the Common Sense Reporting Act of 2021 was introduced in the House earlier this week, mirroring the language included in the Senate side bill. Here to discuss these items on this week's episode of the Healthcare Happy Hour are NAHU's Marcy Buckner and John Green. So let's begin with this Medicare final rule regarding new requirements for calls that CMS consider to be marketing calls. Can you describe these requirements as they are written? What is CMS's intention here? So with these marketing rules, we'll call them, CMS is seeking to try to crack down on some of the entities that have been reaching out to Medicare beneficiaries, either with fraudulent activity or without clear information on exactly what the beneficiaries can enroll in. And many of these entities are things like third-party marketing organizations or TPMOs. But unfortunately with this, independent agents were lumped in with this group when it comes to the marketing rules. And the requirement with this final rule is that any telephonic marketing be recorded. So any phone conversations that are marketing, they need to be recorded. And when they're defining marketing, something that we confirmed in our conversation last week with CMS was that they're considering enrollment marketing. So if you are on an enrollment call with one of your clients, you do need to have that call recorded. What we're doing right now is discussing with CMS really what the difference is between their intention and what agents and brokers do. So like I mentioned, unfortunately, independent agents and brokers were lumped in with these other groups when they were finalizing this rule. And this is something that we cautioned them about when this was a proposed rule. We pointed out that independent agents are much different than these TPMOs and that TPMOs needed to be clearly defined so that it's clear that they are these call centers. Oftentimes they're offshores, so it is very hard to regulate them, but they are very different than licensed agents and brokers um, because they're not licensed. They aren't insurance professionals, right? So with this final rule, what we're doing now, since our comments and the proposed rule were not heated, is that we are trying to make sure that in the months leading up to implementation, because this does go into place October 1, that we're working with CMS to see what type of safe harbors can be put in place. For agents and brokers, this shouldn't be something that is applied to agents that and their current clients, right? You've already entered into an agreement with those beneficiaries to represent them. Um, they, They know and trust you. They come back to you every year. So you shouldn't be falling underneath these requirements. So similar to in the past where 
Oftentimes we get these final rules that don't quite line up exactly with what the proposed rule said or don't take into consideration the comments that we've put forward. Um, we do still have some time here to work with CMS and try to iron out some of these pieces so that we can make a smooth transition into AAB later this year. So, John, you had a conversation with CMS officials just last week about these requirements. So what did we learn from this call and what did NAHU have to say? So we learned that, as Marcy pointed out, that marketing is defined as including enrollment. I asked them about how we are to fulfill that requirement in terms of recording, storing, and responding to audits. And they admitted that they had not thought that aspect of it through. I explained the burden that this would create and that for those who provide assistance for Part D drug benefits, you know, the $44 is not worth it to them, frankly. They're doing it as a courtesy generally because they sold them a medical supplement and that they're not going to do that. They'll refer people to Medicare.gov and that that will overwhelm the system. But that said, um, they told me that, as Marcy said, I raised the issue about current book of business and that these people voluntarily work with an agent and that this is not where the complaints are coming from. Could they not be carved out since they have an existing relationship? And I believe that you know there is wiggle room there and that through sub-regulatory guidance, they will perhaps heed that request and carve them out. You know, well, generally our goal is to carve out all independent agents, but another situation in which a beneficiary contacts an agent voluntarily, that we think should also be carved out because again, these are not call center cold calls that are going out to random beneficiaries on a fishing expedition to see about switching them to another plan. CMS has tasked us with uh, defining what an independent agent is, and uh, we are setting about doing that with our FMO council in a call where if we can define them in such a way that, as Marcy said, distinguishes them clearly from call centers and the TPMOs, then perhaps they would be willing to you know, give us a safe harbor here. They understand what's at stake here with regard to agent participation. I know that a number of the carriers are already looking at how they can do this or assist agents with these recordings, but it comes at a, at a cost. This won't be free, and the FMOs are going through the, the same exercise here. But at least we are negotiating. We're having a conversation with CMS after the FMO call. I've already requested another meeting with CMS, and uh, we'll have further discussions with some of our FMOs, Janet Trotwine, Marcy, and myself, and see if we can make some progress before the October 1st date, which is what I confirmed with them when I spoke to them. So that's a mouthful, but I just want to be clear that you know we've known about it, we've responded to it, we've talked to AHIP about it. And we both recommended that CMS, at least in terms of the marketing section of the rule, delay that until further stakeholder conversations could take place to sort out, you know, exactly who is who in this. And that did not happen. And so here we are. 
They did exclude ships, interestingly enough, from the rule. And I find that a bit incredulous, but there it is. We are so excited to see you in Austin, Texas for this year's annual convention held June 25th through 28th. What was that? You haven't registered for an annual convention yet? But it's so easy. Just go to NAHU.org and register now. Our keynote speakers this year will be Dr. Marty Macquarie, author and healthcare futurist, and Dan Clark, author, motivational speaker, and CEO of Clark Success Systems. I promise you that this is an event that you do not want to miss. So go register now at NAHU.org. Yeah, I just want to point out what John said, that in our comments, we did emphasize that they needed to do stakeholder calls on this because it was clear in the proposed rule they didn't have the full picture of how all of these different entities interact within the Medicare market and kind of who's doing what and who the bad actors are. It, it's, it's not us. And unfortunately, they didn't listen to us. They didn't set up those stakeholder calls prior to releasing a final rule. And now here we are ending up kind of having our stakeholder calls after the fact, now that the final rule is out, because we've emphasized just how inappropriate the wording is on this. And I also want to compare this to something else that we've experienced in the past. Earlier this week, I had a question about, you know, like, well, is there anything we can do now that there's a final rule? What are the chances that anything could change? And I compared this to the Medicare plan finder. When that first rolled out, we had the same experience. We said, hey, why didn't you contact us to beta test this? We should have been part of the stakeholder calls on this. And we weren't. And now we're seeing all of these flaws, all of these errors. And it resulted in us having calls sometimes twice a week with Medicare leading up to the the first round of being open with the Medicare plan finder to try to make some of those fixes. And then again, doing the same thing the next year, having weekly calls to try to make further improvements. So improvements do happen after some of these final rules happen. It's not the the end of the game. We're, we're still in it. And so there are definitely you know opportunities for us to make changes to this prior to that October 1, especially with putting together some of those safe harbors like John mentioned earlier. But just wanted to give an example of times where we've been in similar circumstances, but we've been able to impact change in a positive direction, both for Medicare beneficiaries and for agents and brokers. And so you mentioned that these requirements are set to go into effect on October 1st. As of now, is there any mechanism in place to verify compliance with this recording requirement? Well, no, there really isn't. And, you know, I pointed that out. I asked specifically about that, and they said they hadn't gone that far yet. So this is an ongoing conversation, and we will keep you updated through special messages, the Washington update, whatever is appropriate to communicate with you the status of the rule. Now, let's pivot to one of our top legislative priorities, employer reporting. It's been a minute since we discussed this issue on the happy hour. So would you mind just briefly explaining what we mean when we talk about employer reporting? So employer reporting, when we talk about it here, we're talking about those 1094 and 1095 forms that employers are required to submit as a part of employer reporting under the Affordable Care Act, under the ACA and the employer mandate. 
So currently they're putting together what they have offered from the previous year after the fact. So this includes all of those fun look back periods and calculating your ALEs, all of those things, whether you're an applicable large employer and where you fall under the employer mandate and whether you have provided affordable coverage. This then is, and I'm going to say allegedly, going to be a little sarcastic here, reconciled with the IRS and HHS so that then if individuals that prior year that had an affordable offer of coverage from their employer, if they received a subsidy, they then will have it reconciled with their taxes the following year and will owe taxes back if they received a premium tax credit in light of having received employer-sponsored coverage that was quote-unquote affordable. And then similarly, on the other side, if the employer did not offer affordable coverage, this is how the information is given to the DOL, IRS, and HHS for them then to be penalized under the employer mandate penalties if they did not offer an affordable offer of coverage. So right now, this is all done after the fact go through this every winter from the previous year. And even though we know that many employers now have put in place mechanisms to help assist them to be in compliance with employer reporting, it is quite burdensome and time-consuming and expensive, especially for those that do need to seek help outside of their business to be able to be in compliance. And so that's why we've been seeking to try to put something in place that will ease the employer reporting requirements, which is what the Common Sense Reporting Bill would do. The Common Sense Reporting Act was introduced recently, but this is not the first time we have seen this bill or an employer reporting bill generally. So could you describe what this bill in particular would do? So it essentially offers employers the opportunity to do it prospectively. So in real time in advance. Wouldn't it be better if the exchange authority could get a list of employees who are ineligible for the tax credit and know this up front? In retail, the turnover is such that, as Marcy said, it's a huge burden for employees to track all these employees. Congress did not ask employers what sort of reporting system might work for them. They asked the IRS, and they wrote the entire section that suited them best. So this has been an ongoing issue every year, right, Marcy? It's uh, For years, we've been going after this. But what makes this year different? Well, a few things. We have bipartisan, bicameral legislation. And I think that you know we're, we're lining up co-sponsors. You guys have been great in responding to Operation Shout. On the first day, we got 1,100 messages to the Hill, and we're working with our outside counsel, Tiber Creek, to figure out where uh, we could hook this bill with legislation, you know, another moving bill. This isn't gonna go by itself. It'll be hooked onto something. And so we're looking for a tax vehicle to attach this. And also what's different here, and and as John pointed out, this offers a prospective reporting option, which is voluntary. So if you are someone who loves the current reporting system and you just want to stick with it, you can. But this offers another option that may be much easier for employers to, like John said, 
report at the beginning of the year what they're offering their employees instead of at the end of the year. And then for our loyal listeners who might be wondering why we're talking about this again, in light of the fact that we have had a House bill introduced for over a year now and a Senate bill introduced for several months, we're talking about this again because those previous House and Senate bills did not mirror each other. They weren't identical. And earlier this week, we had the House introduce a new common sense reporting bill, which is completely identical to the bill that was in the Senate. So now we have two true companion bills in the House and the Senate. This makes it easier to try to get bills passed when they are already completely in alignment. And one of the big differences between the previous House bill and Senate bill that now has been, like I mentioned, has been resolved and aligned is that the Senate bill included language that would allow for kind of a statute of limitations, a a limitation in how far back the Department of Labor and IRS could go to penalize employers for noncompliance with employer reporting. We have been hearing, you know, there are agencies that are reaching out to employers five, six, seven years after the fact, trying to get penalties on employers for employees that went to the exchange and got subsidies. And in these cases, it might not be correct. And five, six, seven years down the road, that employer probably doesn't have a relationship with that employee anymore. They've moved on. So for the employer to try to reconcile this with the employee and what's accurate is very difficult. So the Senate, amongst other things, so the Senate put that kind of statute of limitations in on their bill. And now that piece is included on this new House bill that we had that was introduced this week. So now they they match each other. They're ready to hold hands. We hope into the sunset and get this passed. And so back to what makes this different this time is that We did do that, that the Ways and Means Committee saw value in harmonizing the bills means to me that there's a chance that they have enough interest in this to move it. And so that's why we're asking for you to continue to do the Operation Shout and share with your clients and let's get this done this year. It is now time for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour Toast of the Week. So who are we toasting to this week? Well, we're going to toast to the Common Sense Reporting Act reintroduction because as people think about how dysfunctional Congress is, this just proves that we can get things done in a bipartisan, bicameral way. And we're very encouraged by this move by the Ways and Means Committee to reintroduce the bill, and we look forward to its final passage. Here's to Mike Thompson and Adrian Smith for reintroducing that and to all of you for checking your email and submitting your Operation Shout for us to get more co-sponsors on the Common Sense Reporting Bill. Cheers! Thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. For more information on NAHU's government affairs efforts or to become a member, visit NAHU.org.